I believe this model, the feature lead model, should help us to retain talent. And we didn't go out to hire next generation of leaders. We groom them internally. And my team members realized that uh, they have multiple options to grow within the organization, and they don't need to go out for the next level of growth. Have you ever wondered how your dev team ranks in terms of productivity, speed, and business impact? With Linear B's new engineering benchmarks report, you can find out. The product of comprehensively analyzing the work of almost 2,000 dev teams at close to 1 million branches, the 2022 engineering benchmarks report is the first ever look at what performance metrics make engineering orgs elite, average, or underperforming. Best of all, if you want your dev team's number to go from average to elite on any of the benchmarks, the report also provides concrete guidance on the behaviors, tools, and processes you need to get there. To explore the report in full, visit linearb.io slash benchmarks or click the link in the show notes of this episode. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Dev Interrupted. I'm your host, Dan Lines, and today I'm joined by Raja Kalipatnapu, global head of product engineering at Equinix. Raja, welcome to the show. Hey, Dan. Glad to be here. Awesome to have you. Now, a little bit about Equinix. Equinix is a digital infrastructure company with over 220 data centers in 60 or more markets on five continents, thousands of employees working across many, many time zones. So obviously, you know, it's a big company. You probably have a large organization and dealing with scale on that level. I know you've learned a lot about not just how to manage teams, but how to manage managers and how to find talent within your existing org. We're going to dive into all of that type of stuff, but I want to give our audience an opportunity to know you a little bit better. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and your career background? Certainly. Yeah. So my name is Raja Kalipatnapu, and uh, I lead the product engineering at uh, Equinix. And then, like you mentioned, I do have teams spread across three continents, uh, Singapore, Poland, and Silicon Valley. And before uh, Equinix, I worked at GE Digital, Cisco, and a few other startups. Then I started my career as a developer and always been a developer at core. But I'm also very passionate about building and growing teams. And I've been leading teams uh, for the last 12 years. What was your first program that you developed or coded that you can remember? I started my career in India. And the first program I wrote is a, um, we were not calling at the time a SAS, but a compiler for C, uh, the Fujitsu compiler, if I remember right, that we SAS enabled. Um, and it's developed in Java. I'm talking about 1995, by the way. Nice. 1995, 1996. So. Yeah, that's awesome. It's always nice to hear where people came from. Now, you've worked, it sounds like you've worked at some smaller companies. You've also worked at bigger companies. Equinix is big. Give us some orientation about your team. How many people are on your team and what type of size? We know it's across at least three time zones, but what's the size of the team? So we have a typical scrum team of size about eight to 10. And uh, I have three product portfolios. And across these three product portfolios, we are talking about 10 Scrum teams. So very, you know, sizable team. And within your career, you've had these, you know, 
kind of prestigious or nice roles. Is there anything that happened in your career that you think was a major milestone or something that was able to kind of accelerate you starting from being a developer and then going into the track that you're on today? Yeah, specifically while I was at uh, Cisco. And and I'm always, as I mentioned earlier, passionate about mentoring and growing teams. And when I got an opportunity to take a leadership role, I immediately jumped on it. And what helped me at Cisco is the structure that they have in growing someone as a manager and uh, the basic management 101, leadership 101 that I learned at Cisco is what I see is something that continuously I take with me to my career and and how I help others. That may lead us very well into our first topic. We're going to talk a lot about leadership in this episode, and we're going to start with a model that I know you use at Equinix that you say you've really benefited your entire organization, and that's the feature-led model. What is the feature-led model and what does it mean to you? Yeah, the feature lead is a role. It's a rotation role we follow in our development organization. So anyone in the team can, you know, just raise their hand and say that, I know I want to take up this role for this specific release timeline, right? And this role empowers the person to take end-to-end ownership and make decisions regarding the development of that specific feature. Consider the feature lead as a CEO of the feature. Okay, so this is this is identifying a leader for, for a feature, and you're summing it up as making developers the CEO of the feature. What does it mean for a developer to be a CEO of a feature? Yeah, it's a very good question. And, uh, you know, it is the accountability and ownership with a customer-first mindset as a single-thread owner for the whole feature. So a feature lead as part of this role is responsible for a small team working on this feature from a a technology point of view and for the end-to-end full lifecycle development of this feature. Consider starting with feature requirements. Are the features ready to be developed to on the way deploying on the production, making sure it meets all functional and non-functional requirements? So that's the reason why we call uh, the feature lead as a CEO of the feature. Can anyone be the feature lead? Is it, are there requirements or how does that happen within your organization? Anyone in the team can say that, you know, I would like to play the role of a feature lead. It's the desire of the person who wants to play that role. So as I mentioned, said a rotational role. So anyone can raise that hand and say that I want to be feature lead. And do you typically see that person as a more senior developer? Or are you also getting juniors? What's the type of DNA? of the feature leads that you see raise their hands? We initially thought that only senior engineers can pick up this role. But what we learned is this is a role that anyone can play and anyone can be successful. So what we have seen is even a a 
new to career, a fresh graduates coming on board, but very enthusiastic about taking this role, can take up this role and be successful. What is the impact of having this role on the developer and in your organization? So in our organization specifically, this allowed us to scale better as a team. So before we had this role, the managers, the first level managers specifically, and then team leads to have to stretch themselves to support these features and to end multiple features because it's in, in a given release, you would be working on more than one feature and end-to-end -end responsibility was kind of stressful for our engineering leaders and uh, uh, the managers. Once we have this role in place, they can scale better and, and because of the distributed responsibility that also allowed us to bring in better quality into the product because now there is a close visibility into how the feature is being delivered, better team health, better relations between teams, and, and also gave a better visibility end-to-end -end for the release and individual features. How have you seen the features change when a developer is the one that's raising their hands and being the feature CEO? Have you seen an impact on, on the features themselves? Yes. Primarily here, what you can observe is the accountability and ownership, right? And so that, so what it means is you are empowering the developers to take the feature from the requirements and all the way to the production. What it means is they feel accountable to the quality of the feature. They feel accountable to design or architecture. It's, it's not coming top down. We are allowing the individuals to, to make decisions. So that certainly proved the overall quality of the product and also how the team members perceive the development process. One thing we know about the engineering and the development world is coming bottoms up, the opposite of top-down, empowering developers, making developers the feature CEO, usually will result in better results. In particular, right now, you're talking about quality, so you've seen an improvement in quality. How has this improved relationships between teams or departments? So primarily, you have, as I mentioned earlier, it's a, a single-thread responsibility. What it means is now a person can spend more time with cross-functional teams and can be a single point of contact rather than a engineering manager who probably is stretching thin in supporting multiple teams, cross-functional teams. So that certainly allowed us to build better relationship with cross-functional teams and overall improved the quality of relationship. Okay, so we've kind of gone through the nice benefits of having a developer-focused feature lead model. And I also know because of this, there's less bad things that are happening, such as micromanagement. Can you talk about how this model allows for less micromanagement? Without a feature lead role, it is hard for the engineering managers to get visibility of individuals' features status of how they're being done and where they are and, and then where they need to do a, a pivot. So to get the visibility, uh, they tend to micromanage teams. Uh, but with the feature leads, 
they can take a step back and then they can rely on feature leads to get the visibility. And individual feature leads, uh, being a developer, working very close with the, with the developers. And it is seen more like the team is empowered to do the development and they're not being micromanaged. You know, with all of the feature leads that you have on your team and the autonomy that that has provided, both to the developers and also with the managers not having to micromanage, how has that allowed you to find the next great managers at Equinix? Yeah, very, very good question. So what it allowed us is to understand which one of our team members have leadership skills, right? And, and earlier I mentioned that we initially thought that only senior engineers can take the feature read role, but we also realized that even new to career engineers can take the feature lead role. So, uh, and, and the flip side of it, we have seen that some of the senior engineers probably are not interested in taking this uh, in a, a feature lead role. So, in essence, there are certain engineers, certain and few developers who naturally are able to develop these skills. So, we identify those people and uh, able to build a pool of talent for the leadership roles. Yeah, it totally makes sense. I mean, we had an episode with Maria Gutierrez. So she's the VP of engineering at Twitter. And she said something like retention is hiring. Or retention actually is your next level of hiring. And I think about that a lot because it's a fantastic point. How has the feature-led model impacted your retention? Which is very difficult. Retaining developers right now is tough in the world. I'm in total agreement with that statement. I believe this model, the feature lead model, sure helped us to retain talent. And we didn't go out to hire next generation of leaders. We groomed them internally. And my team members realized that uh, they have multiple options to grow within the organization. And they don't need to go out for the next level of growth. Do you think that this has helped you gain a market advantage in any way? I certainly do believe that we managed to retain more people. Our attrition rate is low compared to the market. You know, most of the time, you would want to have great developers enter your organization, do an amazing job, maybe raise their hand to be a feature lead, kick ass at that, get promoted. You know, that's kind of the golden path. But sometimes you have an engineer in your org that isn't performing well. And I think you have a story about someone on your team that was not necessarily the best developer, but a great employee. Can you tell our audience about that? Yeah, certainly. So this is in my previous um, organization where uh, a new to career fresh grad joined my team and supposed to be a developer. And in few months, I observed that he is not performing at the level of what is expected of him. And then I started collecting the feedback about how he is doing from cross-functional team members that he's working with, and also had a uh, regular one-on-ones to understand how he's doing. As I started talking to him, I realized that he certainly is an awesome team member, very collaborative, a people person. But his heart is not into development. 
I mean, he realized that he can do better in, in other areas as we started discussing. And I worked with him and moved him out of development eventually to product management. And that worked really well for him. And, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he's doing very well now uh, where he is. Yeah, that's a really important point. I mean, the other thing that's happening in the world today, you have so many companies that are either providing tools for developers, providing something in technology, infrastructure. I mean, there's a million companies that do it. And a lot of them are wanting former developers to be in product or customer success or marketing. Even if they're not, they weren't the best developers, they really understand the space. Have you seen any other examples of a developer, or I guess you're, you could be one of them, but a developer that has changed careers and used their development ability, but went to a different job? Yes, yes. In fact, within Equinix, I have a person who, in fact, took the feature lead role and interacted with the product managers again and started loving the product management role. And we recently moved him working with the product management at uh, Equinix into a role uh, that's more product management. Yeah, I think that's a great tip for our audience. If you have some developers that are maybe not performing exceptionally, there's always room in product support, success, marketing, and it's a really, really desired role in the world right now to have a former developer fill those spots. That's an option for you as an engineering manager to retain a great person, but not necessarily the perfect developer. Now, on the topic, we're going to move to molding managers or mentoring managers. We've talked about finding and retaining engineers and good managers, but you're also big into mentorship. What is it about mentorship that makes you so happy? When it comes to mentorship, I love to groom leaders. And I've been doing that in my career. And I had an opportunity to work with leaders who helped me to grow in my own career. And I see this as giving back. It is my belief that having the better leaders is going to help teams to be more healthy and thrive and perform better. And by mentoring and grooming leaders, I can help that cause. That's, that's how I see it. What is your approach to mentoring future leaders? One thing that I would do is um, continuously observing and providing a continuous uh, feedback and be a good uh, listener and be candid and build trusted uh, relationship, open and trusted relationship with the, the people that I work with. And when you're working with an engineering manager or someone that's trying to be an engineering manager, where do you see is the biggest gap? What are they usually yeah. missing? Uh, very, very good question. From my own experience, I can say that when you are moving from an engineer to a manager, most of the people do not realize you have to change the way that you operate. You have to change from doing things to getting things done and leading and letting other people do things than you try to do them. So that's the biggest change. That's where 
people might tend to do the micromanagement because, you know, as a person, if you probably might be thinking that as an engineer, oh, I can get this one done faster. I can get this one done differently. And this is how I would be doing this. But when I, when you are a leader, what you want is you do not want to tell them how to do it rather than guide them how to do it. That's the biggest uh, difference that I would see. Someone moving from an individual contributor to manager has to realize. When you identify that person that's moving from an individual contributor to a manager and they're kind of, I think, micromanaging the team, what tips do you give them or how do you get them to change their mindset to be a better manager? So the one important uh, tip that I would give them is how much time they are spending working with the uh, the individuals. So when you start micromanaging, you would not be able to scale. You would be spending more time in the work that the other people are supposed to do and where you would let them to do and less time in probably strategy, right? So as a manager, you need to focus less on executing tasks uh, that's supposed to be done by others. Rather, you want to let them do it and then set a strategy and vision for them uh, and, and allow them to execute. And I, I try to communicate that. I try to give examples of how they could be uh, performing better and they could uh, make a better impact. So it's another one that I would primarily focus on the impact that they're making. They could make a better impact if they take a step back and then let the team do the work than they're doing it. Do you have any way that you measure impact of a manager? Or if I was a manager coming to you and I said, okay, Raja, how can I measure my impact? How do I know if I'm making a good impact? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, you made me think. <laughs> so the way that I look at is um, how they are growing the team rather than how, what they are delivering. Right? So a delivery can be done either by this person, this leader, or his team. But in the process, how the team is growing uh, and how the team feels empowered and how the team's health is uh, improving. So these things will be taken into consideration as an impact. And, and this is within the team. But as a leader, how you are making an impact in cross-functionality. So that's another thing. And then and you can get that visibility only if you start looking outward of your team instead of just looking into the team. So these are the things that I would consider and uh, include as part of a measurement of a leader. Yeah, maybe we can build a engineering manager impact formula, which is a combination of how are you doing on your hiring? So are you bringing in great people? Are you retaining great people? How have you been able to unblock the flow of code? Usually one of the problems on an engineering team is we're not getting enough code, you know, streamlined and out to production. And going back on what you said in the beginning of the conversation, maybe how many people on your team are able to be feature leaders or are raising their hands? Are you growing a set of feature leaders? And that can be the Raja impact formula. <laughs> okay. Well, Raja, thank you so much for joining the podcast today and answering all, all of our questions. I also want to say thank you 
to more than the 3,000 of you who are now subscribed to our weekly interruption newsletter. We bring you articles from the community, inside information on weekly pods, and the first look at Interact 3.0 on October 25th. If you haven't already been to Interact, totally recommend it. It's a lot of fun. It's free. It's all online, so you can register today. Raja, it was great to see you again. Oh, same here, Dan. Thank you.